Hey guys, Joe from Joe Shrimp Shack right here. Uh, I'm taking over my ad space because the guys at Aquarium Guys are just pure morons. So if you want to get 15% off your whole entire order, go to joeshrimpshack.com, put in the promo code Aquarium Guys on there, get 15% off on everything. And remember, ladies, I have Chola Wood by the inch. Also, guys, don't forget about Ohio Fish Rescue. Ohio Fish Rescue just got done doing a lot of fun work bringing fish to Shaq's house. you got to check it out. Go to Ohio Fish Rescue on YouTube. Find some great content. Like, subscribe, and uh, you know, maybe shoot them a couple of dollars. All right, let's kick that podcast. Welcome to the Aquarium Guys podcast with your hosts, Jim Colby and Rob Zolson. Hey, guys. Welcome to the podcast. Today, finally, after a long-awaited period, we have uh, reached out to Seagrass Farms, and we have them sponsoring this particular episode. So, number one, thank you, Seagrass Farms. We'll have more information in the podcast notes. But uh, today, we have the infamous Dr. Fish, James Coleman. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing all right. How's it going? James Collins. I have to edit that out now. How dare are my notes? You have one name to remember. I have one name. God. That's why we're calling you Dr. Fish. Sure. Howdy, fishy folks. <laughs> so, James, you have uh, been working now as head of Seagrass uh, Health. Please uh, tell us about your career and how long you've been uh, you've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm the lab manager at Seagrass Farms. Uh, been working there for 26 years. Uh, that's over half my life. So it's a, it's a uh, labor of love for sure. Uh, we're the largest wholesaler of tropical fish in the world. Uh, I grew up in the industry, uh, learned how to swim in a production pond, uh, graded fish and helped same ponds when I was a little boy. Pretty wild. Pretty wild to but, see the changes. When, when we started, we were 100% just a family business. Uh, there was less than 20 total employees when we started. We're nearly 200 now. And just to clarify, you know, tw- you said 26 years, and if there's been a disease, I'm assuming you've seen it. I, I got to visit uh, Seagrass in person a couple of years back, and just the mass amount that you guys ship every day blows my mind. You have multiple UPS uh, semis generally that are just filling up uh, depending on the season. And it's Absolutely. really impressive. Who better to have on the podcast to answer our fish health, nutrition, and wellness questions? So... In preparation for you, James, we uh, have been preparing a Dr. Fish section in our Discord. You can go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com at the bottom of the website. You'll find the link for Discord. It's where we do our chat. It's where our whole community is at. And we have one entire uh, sub-thread in here dedicated to asking uh, questions. So we've been saving a lot of good ones, a lot of uh, hilarious ones, and uh, all those in between. So, again, thanks for coming on, Dr. Fish. And I'm your host, Rob Zolson. I'm Jim Colby, the good-looking one. And I'm Adam on the Shire, the smart one. The, the sounding so good because he got his computer and internet. Adam fixed. got a new computer. We're pretty. That's impressed. two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, right? He gets a gold star for gold, attendance. Gold star. Before we get into the deep dive with Doctor Fish here, you got some news for me, Jimmy? Do I have some news for you? Not that I'm aware of. Your life is so boring, Jimmy. My my life sucks. No, I actually uh, I I got my shipment in from Secrets Farms last week. They are still shipping UPS. They cannot send a whole lot through the airlines and stuff. So uh, we've talked a lot about how there's 
not really a shortage of fish, but it's just a shortage of, of ways to getting it to you. And so uh, during this whole COVID thing, we've all been, uh, what's the word, struggling to get stuff in. I know uh, you guys are having trouble getting uh, stuff in from the imports. And I know a lot of the locals that raise fish down in Florida have um, stepped back a little bit because of the COVID deal and stuff. But we're looking forward to having a good fall, good uh, end of summer here with uh, with all the good tropical fish that we get out of Seagrass Farms. So, James, do you have any uh, insights on, you know, the, the trends of how long this is going to last? That's going to be tight to find everything. Are they beginning to order stuff back in in quantity? I mean, you guys are at the forefront there at Seagrass. Uh, yeah, we've we've got a ton of fish in-house, uh, but the, the uh, a lot of the, the Asian stuff is hard to come by. South American stuff is, is just horrible right now. Uh, don't really have an update on when those will be reopening. Uh, but we are starting to get more and more fish uh, flights opening through Southwest, who we deal a lot with going out. So hopefully that's going to improve the retail end. Now, do you see people uh, changing? Like a lot of the Florida farms starting to start back up because of the demand they and they see that there's going to be a lockdown for a while or just waiting for borders to open? Oh, I, I think it's it's more of a border issue. Gotcha. Again, my news this week is I figured out that our hotline that we have for our listeners also allows to do text message. No kidding. Right. So we have our number on the bottom of the Aquarium Guys podcast website uh, to call in with your questions, and we'll play them on air. We'll read them if they're an email. But uh, one gentleman decided to text me, and it popped up on my phone that I came through the uh, site. So said, uh, hey, guys, want to know I love the podcast. You've been super helpful. So many aspects of getting into the aquarium hobby as a whole. I've been starting up a couple breeder tanks with a pair of red cobra guppies, blue dream shrimp, uh, which both are breeding and possibly some autosynclus spawning too. I was wondering if I uh, could offer me some ideas, making sure that all three remain successfully breeding in the same tank if possible. So I answered the question. We went back and forth and he messaged that and I got him back a response within a minute. So he was impressed that uh, we got it. So, hey, why not? Until I get too busy, if you guys want to text us directly, we have our number at the bottom of the website, AquariumGuysPodcast.com. Choose a text message. Maybe you'll be uh, um, answered directly on the sh- uh, show. But in a tank with shrimp, guppies, and autos, if all of them are breeding, something's going to eat the babies. I mean, guppies will eat baby shrimp when uh, they can, if they're small enough to fit in their mouth. Um, they're not going to get them all. I mean, guppies aren't avid hunters. They're not going to start you know, going through every nook and cranny, but they're definitely going to lower the population of shrimp. So if your goal is to breed for numbers, do each one of those in separate tanks. Absolutely. You're not going to want to have shrimplets getting nommed up by autos or guppies eating auto babies or even, you know, baby fry, guppy fry, which have probably the best rate of all three getting nommed by uh, autos. Num num. The shrimp will probably leave them alone. You won't have an issue there. But if you want to breed them for numbers, separate them. Otherwise, you can breed and just know that they're going to get picked off. and You may only have a couple per batch that live. We're just here to give you another reason to buy more tanks. Right, all more tanks. Do you need That's reasons us. to buy more tanks? Oh, we just need to give people reasons. And we also give you permission to buy more tanks. Don't talk to your spouse. Don't talk to your, your significant other. Just go ahead and do it. It's just easier to apologize and to get permission. Yep. So yeah, this week... Please, please oh, buy more tanks. Please, please buy more tanks. There you go. There's a flow chart for this. I feel like we got to make. Like, uh, 
I want to do this, buy more tanks. I want to set up this breeding, buy more tanks. It just always goes to buy more tanks. Buy more tanks. Buy more tanks. And eventually, you know, set up a fish, you know, basement or room and then get divorced. Exactly. And then lose half your stuff and <laughs> and then get more tanks. Then buy more tanks. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a circle of life. My, my ex-wife took half my tanks, just smashed them in the front yard to show me who was boss, and I bought more tanks. Please tell me that was true. It is pretty close. Oh, man. Pretty, pretty accurate, yeah. Just like your hopes and dreams. Yes. Smashed into smithereens. She destroyed a lot of your stuff, Jim. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. But no, guys, uh, certainly give us uh, some messages back and forth. We love to have them. And above all else, we have all these messages saved. But uh, Adam, you got any news this week? Not really. No, I don't think so. Man, you guys are so boring. I got large clown loaches from a buddy of mine, and they're beautiful sitting right next to you, Jimmy. Yes, they are. Say, I did I did see something very interesting. If uh, For those of you who buy the Amazonas magazine, you also get the Amazonas email. And... I sent it to Rob, and I know he didn't look at it because oh, he, I looked at it. And and let's talk a little bit about about the house plants that you can put in your aquarium. Did you read it? Well, see, Jimmy, I have been starting to collect spider plants, as you see yes. on my filters everywhere. Not because of the magazine, but because I, I figure that I have these, and I need to put them somewhere, and I have too many tanks. So if I'm going to get more tanks, house plants need to go in there somewhere. That's right. So it's been working out pretty well. So I decided from our jars podcast in episode 41 to make an aquarium jar and it was beautiful right i put the nice uh volcanic ash substrate in the bottom i put a big spider plant in there that was coming out the top it was a huge spider plant right i was getting it ready maybe i could put some shrimp in there and i set it up in my sunroom where it's gonna get plenty of light because again there's no heat no light and uh the next morning the entire top was just shaved off and there's cat vomit on the floor cat vomit so uh Check what animals you have in your house. If you have dogs or cats, <laughs> before you start doing potted plants, to check if it's cat friendly. Luckily enough, spider plants are cat friendly. Although puking on the rug, I wouldn't call real friendly, but apparently cat friendly is it won't kill them. It won't kill them. Yeah, they had a great a great article in there. They'll tell you different plants that you can put and and root into your aquariums and stuff. Rob's been doing that over here in a lot of his tanks. It's pretty cool. So uh, check it out uh, if you go on their email. Uh, there's all kinds of different uh, articles that are very noteworthy to be reading. So uh, check out the Amazonas email that came out just recently. And if you you don't get it, shame on you. Yeah, you can get the digital version, and we're not sponsored by them at all. So uh, <coughs> Matt, where's our uh, where's our free commission? Yeah, <laughs> you know the, the guys from Amazonas have been nothing but great to us. They have had uh, quite a few people on this podcast and there are going to be more people on this podcast from Amazonas. So it's been a great, uh, a great friendship and a great partnership that we've uh, started with these guys. Now show them some love, say hi. And Oh, here's the thing, right? One of my listeners apparently messaged Matt Peterson that was on the podcast. He's yeah. uh, one of the uh, head editors for Amazonas, right? And uh message in the notes because he was buying every back order of Coral Magazine and said that Rob's from the Aquarium Guys podcast told him he'd get a uh, a free year subscription. So uh, you guys are memers out there. I, <laughs> I did not say that, but uh, I appreciate the love. Always pick on Matt for us whenever you buy uh, back issues. Yeah, and if you're going to go for a free subscription, get a three-year, not a one-year. Oh, yeah, three years way better. Three years. Yeah, you got three-year. So don't know where that went. We'll find out. But uh, that was a lot of fun for me getting emails from Matt during the week. <laughs> 
All right. Well, we should uh, start into our topic. And again, before we kick this off, just want to say a big thank you again to Seegers Farms, who uh, gave us the opportunity to spend this evening with Dr. Fish. And if you guys got questions, again, go to our Discord. I gave the information before. We'll happily do them. Otherwise, we are doing these podcasts live on Monday nights, about 7 o'clock central, most nights, you know, uh, weather permitting. You know, Jimmy's got a long drive to going across the street to my house. So uh, we'll see if. I go around. I don't walk through the yards anymore. I take my motorcycle, and just, it took me about 40 seconds to get over here tonight. That's that's a new record. Yeah. You should be careful. There's traffic out there. I drove slow. Well, again, uh, you'll find more information on Seekers Farms. So if you're a pet store or wholesaler um, have a business license to uh, resell fish, certainly go to SeekersFarms.com. Thanks to them. So, Dr. Fish, sir, are you ready for your first question? Absolutely. Uh, first, we got to do some interview questions with you. Number one, you know, what got you into the hobby and doing this, you know, amazing stunt of half of your life dedicated to the, uh, the aquatic trade? Uh, just uh, my, my background, you know, uh, in the industry. This part of Florida is the, the heart of the tropical fish growing industry in North America still. So it's, it's just something that's been in my blood and, and I'm an animal lover. That's and for those of you up. listening, they, they are located in Tampa, Florida, near Gibsonton. Near Big Bend Road. That's Cor- not far away from the Disney World. <laughs> it's the Disney World for fish geeks. There you go. The audience demands this question. What fish did you start out with? Oh, me. I can't. I couldn't even tell you my first fish. I've had fish my whole life. So uh, my, my favorite fish still to this day was, was a, a large Jack Dempsey whose name was Jack. Had him for quite a long time. He, uh, we had to move, and he jumped out of the bucket during moving, and that was pretty brutal. Uh, I, I was a sad little boy, but he's always been my favorite fish. So he was suicidal is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Jack. So did you name your Jack Dempsey Jack because Jack Dempsey or because of one of the managers there, Jack? Uh, no, no, Jack Dempsey. For, <laughs> All right, just <laughs> Got to clarify that one. I just want to clarify that. I've, I haven't been in Jack's office for years, but. So what are you keeping now? Like what is, what is your personal collection since again, you get to be right at the uh, forefront of everything new that comes in? Uh, I actually, I've recently retired as a hobbyist. <gasps> yeah. You know, Do you have some I, tanks uh, for sale? I, I have. <laughs> You've got some recently smashed ones he needs to fix. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've got 4,000 freshwater tanks uh, that I take care of pretty much daily uh I, i'm uh, although i'm the lab manager i'm pretty hands-on so uh i'm i'm personally uh siphon and feed uh, all the discus for y'all every day essentially segris is your your personal hobby at this point uh, yeah, absolutely yeah if you want to experiment for something i'm assuming they'll let you put up a rack and and do what you do uh, yes all right so starting down with the questions so Again, Dr. Fish, and we've been saving these. Now, forgive me. I'm going to have to spell out some of these. Uh, We have some deep intellectuals and some really uh, beginner users. So we have a a variety of questions. So number one, what do you suspect to be the most common culprit for HLLE in marine fish? And do you have any tips to stop or reverse it? Uh, They did some good work uh, at Living Seas, uh, uh, Disney, Orlando, uh, and they found that uh, the fines from the activated carbon can uh, really exacerbate that issue. Also, uh, another – they're not sure why that happens. It's just – I think it's so small that it becomes an irritant. 
basically just a, another stressor. Well, before uh, we go too far, because we got a lot of different listeners listening to this podcast that may have never had marine fish. So explain to us uh, HLLE. Oh, holding the head and lateral line erosion. So uh, that that's a symptom. Uh, so the symptoms you'll see with that are are big, big open looking wounds. Uh, n- normally uh, near the eyes, above the eyes, or near the uh, the the rostrum, the nose of the fish. Fine particulates is seeing as exacerbates it. Co- correct. Yeah, yeah. Fish that don't show signs of it uh, once they're exposed to tanks that have activated carbon in them uh, can start to show signs of it. There, there's no, there's no clinical proof of that yet, but that, you know, it's anecdotal evidence, but, uh, that, that's one thing. Uh, another thing is just, uh, water quality in general can really make that break out. Water quality is number one. And, in all of our aquaculture classes, uh, every aquaculture class taught, uh, water quality is always going to be the top priority for healthy fish, no matter what. Heavy heavy metals can can also uh, be a factor in in HLLE. Is there any treatment for that 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 works? N- no, actually, uh, I've, I've never found anything. Active, if you've got activated carbon, you can take it out and see if that works. Uh, it, it, you know, if you've never tested your water for heavy metals, you can always test it for that. And if you know, and uh, uh, new, the one thing nutrition can improve it, not not necessarily make it go away. But uh, really good nutrition, get their guts healthy. Uh, that 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 would be my second thing. You know, my number one thing is always water quality. And my number two thing, feed your fish the best you possibly can. They're pretty resilient resilient critters. They'll pretty much take care of themselves if you can give them those two things. So it's not necessarily a death sentence uh, when they get the hole in the head, but uh, it definitely is going to be a challenge. A- absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, but uh, it, it's not necessarily going to kill them. I mean, maybe long term, you know, if it gets really deep. But uh, they, they'll, you know, a, a lot of fish aren't going to live that long anyway. There's been some videos that have tried to treat this in the past. Again, I've never seen, like you guys said, any medications that really, quote unquote, work. There's like any other like home brew recommendations like, oh, work for me. Well, it could have been just water quality. You do water changes. But I have seen a couple of correlations with people doing like uh, vitamin dosing. So they'll take, you know, like their cichlid pellets, soak it in a, uh, you know, fish vitamin supplement. And that seems to, uh, you know, help. But that's just generally trying to improve your overall fish's health. Maybe they're lacking some nutrients in the first place. Um, like uh, what, what's the uh, disease I'm thinking of? Um, spironucleus, hexameda, what they used to call hexameda. Hexameda, there you go. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. That's that's yeah, the one yeah. I'm thinking of. So yeah, I've seen that uh, commonly done as a as another attempt. But yeah, like you said, it comes down to to water quality. So right back to for also a healthy gut. So I mean, feeding vitamins get your gut a little bit better. You know, totally understandable. So well, that's Absolutely. that's why we had your probiotic uh, yogurt today, didn't you? With well, your app, uh, applesauce and pills? No, no. <laughs> I take my pills like anybody else with M&M's. <laughs> Mix your pills in with M&M's is much better. It's like, which one tastes good? We don't know today. So <laughs> question number it's, two. It's better than Skittles. Put it that way. <laughs> you people are nuts. So just as, as a note, right, uh, we, we have Dr. Fish here. He uh, works for Seeger's Farms. And, you know, he's not going to be recommending any, you know, particular uh, medications, uh, 
he'll make some suggestions, talk about ones that are out there. But as far as, you know, which brand is better that does the exact same thing, has the same active chemical, you know, that's that's not what uh, Dr. Fish is here for. But next question is, in reality, API Cure, is, is it as effective as people say and why? Oh, I, I will say that uh, my colleagues in the public aquaria r- really, really like it. Uh, there, there's no, like I said, there's no documented studies on it yet. Uh, but it and other uh, quote unquote holistic uh, treatments are, are being researched now. So uh, we'll be able to find out if they are actually doing something or if it's more a combination of just taking better care of our fish. Uh, which I think in a lot of cases it might, it could be, but uh, you know, if, if you have uh, luck with it and you're using it, I would say, keep using it. So a lot of these uh, things that people say API, like general cure is they're using uh, stuff that they think is it. Um, like for instance, like uh, people say quick cure or some other ick treatment and it has methylene blue in it. Generally that's the uh, activated ingredient that some people are, are looking for. I was talking with uh, one of these gentlemen before, and I believe that's what it was uh, aimed after. So um, as far as dealing with stuff like ick, the active ingredient methylene blue is the reason why a lot of those general cures can be so effective. For and, at, least, and, at least the question that he was trying to answer specifically. Oh, I, I got you. Uh, for uh, for ick in particular, uh, I mean, just formalin is, is is the best treatment, really. And if you can, if it's somewhere you can, if you take those fish out, ick is an obligate parasite. If you take those fish out, and uh, just leave the tank fallow. The the ick die within, I mean, max thirty six hours once they've once they they're free swimming. If they don't find a host, that, that's that, a, that that's the surefire way to always get rid of ick. Wait, wait, doctor, are you recommending more tanks? <laughs> more tanks. More tanks. More tanks. So if you're you're saying so, if you have a tank full of mollies and they come up with ick, to take the mollies out, put them in a different tank that you just purchased. Attempt to treat. And attempt to treat, and then in 36 hours, the ick that was in the other tank should be dead. It's gone. It's gone. Well, that's interesting. I never knew that. I've had some some pet stores. I, I wholesale. I've had some people that have you know talked about not being able to get rid of ick out of a tank and actually you know bleach bombing a tank just to try to. But then you start fresh, you know, trying to put in uh, your bacteria in a bottle type of stuff. And and I just never really liked that idea. But to actually remove the fish. Uh, no, will a snail carry ick? I've never seen a snail carry ick. I, I okay. can't say that never, that would never happen, but I, I don't believe so. I mean, cause you know, most people take out their fish, but they'll leave their snails or, or, you know, what about that coolie loach that's living in the gravel that you haven't seen since 1974? You know, that's what drives uh, me insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a simple thing to do, but, uh, it, it is a surefire way. So, and you said the, a formaldehyde, or what were you saying that was the best ick? Yes, for, for, formaldehyde. Formalin uh, is the actual technical term, uh, formalin, and the 37%. Because uh, back, back when I started uh, in the business 20-some years ago, you know, they were saying use formaldehyde, and I bought two gallons of formaldehyde, and I still have 1.98 gallons of formaldehyde. <laughs> and You should probably get rid of that shit. Well, I don't, what do you do with it? It's highly carcinogenic. Bring it to a veterinarian so you can put a sheep's head for classes. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. But um, 
you know, formaldehyde will, will take care of a lot of problems, but there again, it's just trying to dose it is really, really tough when you're not knowing what you're doing. Like you are not allowed to watch Investigative Discovery Channel anymore. <laughs> exactly. So what about copper? Do you ever recommend uh, copper? Only when I have to. Uh, in freshwater, I never use it. Never, okay. ever, 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 ever. And why uh, is that? Just uh, because you've got to worry about the alkalinity issues. If your alkalinity is too low and you dose a, a normal dose rate, you know, say you just forget to check the alkalinity and, it, and it's at 75. Well, that copper becomes so much more toxic, uh, the same dosage that it would be is if your uh, alkalinity is over 100. Even 150 is really safer. Interesting. I've never heard that before. So more great information here that uh, every time we do one of these podcasts, we learn something new and interesting. And I, I will take that uh, and write that down for myself personally. I, I, I use copper quite a bit, actually. I'm probably going to quit. I thought you only used it when uh, you go to Adam's place and he has... Uh, Octopus? No, the... Uh, <laughs> Pregnancy horses? Seahorses. <laughs> seahorses, yeah. yeah. That's all he uses it for. Yeah, I'll treat Adam seahorses with that. On the next question, how exactly does malachite... Malachite. Malachite? I've always got malachite, malachite effect in organisms' DNA. Uh, the actual DNA structure, I, I'm not sure, but uh, it is it is a uh, it is a mutagen and a teratogen, so uh, it's it's not safe to use. Uh, it, it was commonly used for years and years and years, but uh, most people are moving away from it, and I believe it'll probably be fairly not legal to possess. What? I have an old bottle of so, it. So you're saying I should buy some more. Yeah, yeah. You better stock up. Yeah. And this explains why a lot of the um, tropical fish farmers have anywhere between three to seven fingers per hand. <laughs> don't you mean 12? <laughs> well, oh, no, that's their children. That That's just one hand. Okay. I don't know. So if someone like me has a bottle of, you know, Mal Malachi Green, what do you recommend? Do you recommend just using it? Any Any precautions? I'm assuming it's remaining removed because, again, it is a, a toxic chemical. I, I mean, how, if you're going to safely use it, if you see, yeah, proper PPE. I mean, COVID all the way. You know, uh, gloves, gloves, mask, uh, uh, the the whole deal. So you, you don't want it touching your skin. You don't want it getting no. into your mouth. No. <laughs> you don't want to snort it. No. You don't want to. You don't want to inject it. Okay, we got we got all those bases covered. The uh, how many times have your fingers been? green oh all the time and i I'm, know i'm nervous as hell right now i know i'm thinking about about uh, methane blue and and, and magnet green and all the times my fingers have been stained for weeks on end uh, the meth and, meth blue is probably not gonna hurt you oh okay no uh, potassium permanganate either uh, that, that one's pretty okay although those stains last a really long time yes they do I, I i came home one time with that stains and and my wife said did you rob a bank or I go, what do you mean, rob a bank? She goes, well, they put those explosive dyes in the bag. And I said, no, I didn't rob a bank. And then I went and bought a jet ski. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They do what in bags now? If they, you go put, rob, they put a dye bag. Yeah. If you went to rob a bank today because you're wearing a mask and they were open by chance. And for some reason, they still had cash in 2020. Right. And a lot of times they'll put like a, a, a thing in the bag that will explode and it will dye all the money. A bright color plus your hands and stuff and it's been something they've done for years and years and years like a smurf blue a, a nice smurf blue, yeah. blue or pink and then they also have it so that once you leave like a certain radius of the bank 
it'll explode. It explodes. And yeah. it renders all the money worthless. And they put See, it in ATMs too. I'm learning a lot of stuff here. I didn't have a clue like this. So what you're telling me, and this is hard for me to believe, that the same thing they do in pools, if you take a crap in a pool, it goes blue or pee, right? That they do the same thing to money in banks. <laughs> for, yeah, pretty bad, yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. You know, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone I'm just right say, now. I'm just saying the next time that you run the microwave, close the door. Cause I, th- <laughs> I, I, I think it's starting to affect your little doctor. Brain. I've uh, consumed too much malicite green. Be careful with those, everybody. What else you got? All right. Next question. What diseases are truly affected uh, treating with aquarium salt? Okay. Uh, aquarium salt. Uh, it, it, it's a wonderful thing. So salt is a good thing for freshwater fish. Uh, you, you don't always have to keep it in there. Uh, it's not going to hurt anything. I definitely suggest it on uh, when you first bring fish home uh, or bringing in fish to your store. Uh, it, it's a really good thing. Does does a lot of stuff. It can help promote uh, a healthy slime coat. And the nitrogen cycle, you, you know, your nitrite, especially when you're bringing in new fish, you've got, you know, high ammonia in those fish, which is going to turn into nitrite. And uh, the chloride competes for space on the gills with with the nitrite. So uh, theoretically, the more salt you have in the water, of course, you know, fish are only, your freshwater fish, depending on the species, are going to tolerate so much. Uh, the the higher your nitrite can be and, and not be as harmful to the fish because the, the chloride uh, ions are on the gills instead of the uh, the nitrite. So what are some of the issues that you use? That's like a go-to, like I'm seeing symptoms of this disease. I'm going to treat with salt. Uh, salt, uh, salt, salt will help with ick treatments. Uh, salt can help with, uh, actually many protists, uh, are, are affected by salt. Uh, tetrahymena, not so much, but, uh, but your other, other guys are, are going to get knocked off. Uh, Kyla Danella doesn't like salt very much throw salt in for even uh trematodes uh like your your gill flukes uh dactylogyrus gyrodactylus high levels of salt you can use to treat those for now when when you're talking about using salt um are you talking like one teaspoon two teaspoons per gallon depends on what you're going to do uh if you're doing it to promote your slime coat it's only going to be a little bit you know you want you're going to want to get your tds your total dissolved solids up to about uh, you know 1.5 to to 3.0 is a nice nice bath treatment uh for new fish uh, e- e- even full time for many freshwater fish and uh, if you if you're talking uh treating for diseases you're going to go to uh as much as uh 30 ppt or to equate that that would be like 30% salinity now, I, I know for years I bought them from you guys before. I don't. Do you still sell the TDS meters? Yes, we do. If you're if you're a secret buyer, heads you, up stores, heads up stores that you can buy the TDS meters. I, I know it's on the very final few pages where they offer things like you know rubber bands and and bags and stuff. And I got a TDS meter from you guys for you know years ago, and I still use it today, and I, I really love it. But um, you know, I always told too. What is shimmy like on Molly's, and why does salt help that? Well, it, it, that can be caused by a number of things. T- uh, typically, they're they're just uh, 
how how to try to explain it. Nervous? They're just super stressed. They they're just like over 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 stressed, uh, and they they kind of they kind of shut down. They they don't want to eat, uh, and, and they act weird. Uh, but uh, salt salt really 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 helps that. You know, it's not always the same thing. Sometimes you, fish are a lot like people. Uh, different uh, different diseases can cause similar symptoms. So it's not always, sometimes it could be a protist. Uh, sometimes it could be uh gyrodactylus, sometimes, you know, ick. I've noticed a lot of times too, that where one thing brings on another thing. Is that, do you see that a lot? Correct. It starts, yes. It starts, starts out simple and it just, it just evolves into something greater. And then Jimmy has flow bone, flow bone AIDS, right? Just No, I don't have AIDS. <laughs> you put your pills in with your M&Ms and you eat your <laughs> damn M&Ms. And, and, and then you get Malachi green in. And then you're fine. And you're good. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, the stressors, stressors equal disease, uh, uh, really. My rule of thumb, and I, I think this is where this uh, question came from, is we've had so many questions over the time we've done the podcast, and they're like, what would you recommend as a, you know, uh, easy recommendation just to, you know, keep healthy your tank, salt. If this happens, I'm like, well, did you start with salt? If you did the salt and that's not working, then we can move on to other things. And it's always just my flow chart is start with salt. I'm uh, glad to feel validated in that, Jimmy. Well, I, I've said it a hundred times before. I, I used to get some goldfish from from one of the goldfish people over in the Carolinas, and they had sent me a, a sheet one time about uh, eleven items about, about that goldfish get. And I think nine out of the eleven items that bother goldfish actually are are helped or cured by salt. Does that sound about right? Yes, yes, yes. You you can treat a lot a lot of issues with salt. And salt is cheap, um, and uh, should always be in the cupboard if you own an aquarium. Now, you can go and purchase aquarium salt, or you can get the extra coarse softener salt. Same deal. You just got to make sure that it's extra coarse and not those pellets because that's got glue and crap in them. In all honesty, uh, you, you can use you can even use marine mix. Of course, you're going to use a tiny, tiny, tiny bit. And, and if you have, you know, soft water fish, you're not going to want to use that on them. But, uh, uh, the you know, the trace elements, uh, when you're mixing something that low, they're, they're good for your freshwater fish, too. Yeah, I remember the first time that I went, I came down, this is probably 20 years ago, I came down to visit uh, Seagrass Farms, and uh, I then went over to 5D, and uh, what interested me is that they had pallets and pallets and pallets of soft water, of water softener salt, and that's what they were using, and this whole time I was buying the expensive stuff, and if you own a pet store and you want to sell the aquarium salt that's in a box, which costs retail three, four bucks, you know what? If you want to make some money, go buy yourself a 40-pound bag of the granular salt and bag it in one-pound bags and sell it for half the price of what your box is, and your $6 bag of salt will net you 40 bucks. So it's another money maker for you if you want a pet store. Cha-ching. So next question is, what is the purpose of raising temp in the tank as it relates to a fish's immune system? Raising the f- temperature of a tank, uh, it's it's going to accelerate metabolism. Uh, it's not going to change the immune system a whole lot. Uh, what it will do is uh, speed up the uh, life cycle of uh, parasites like ick. You, you can actually uh, that help as another way to get rid of ick quicker. Uh, because you know the ick that you see on, on their side, you know it, it is all, it is the only protist we can see with our naked eye, which is pretty cool. I mean, as much as I love the fish, I, I kind of dig the parasites too. You know, I've been doing it for so long, but uh, yeah, that's that's the only protist on the planet that we can see with our naked eye. But uh, the those little white spots, 
you can't treat them with anything. Uh, no, the, the best chemical in the world isn't going to uh, penetrate that. You have to get them in their free swimming stage, and you can get them into that stage quicker by raising the temperature of your tanks. You know, we, we've, we've talked over and over about ick on this program and stuff. Do you, a lot of questions that are asked, do you ever see ick in fish in the wild? Uh, not as much because they aren't stressed because they're in the wild. And so basically it's just something that's internally in the aquarium trade is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, fish are, are just like people in that, you know, there, there's parasites on our body all time at all times. You know, it's just, uh, whether that load gets high enough to make you sick, uh, that involves gut health, that involves uh, mental health, physical health, you know, for, for humans. Uh, same thing with the fish. Uh, just all, all those little things are, are more stressors, and, and that's what causes disease to break, typically. Now, uh, one of the best things that I learned, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but some of my um, stores would taught me that sometimes if, you, if you're treating a fish with a certain medicine, if you soak that medicine in, like, say, frozen bloodworms and feed it to them, that once they ingest it, it's just much better than putting it in the water for their bodies to absorb it. Do you guys do a lot of that? Uh, yes, we feed with medicated feeds, and we make our own medicated feeds. Yeah, uh, m much better to get the medication in them with food. Uh, now, unfortunately, when, when fish are too sick, you know, they're going to lose their appetite or have inappetence and, and they won't, they won't feed. But, uh, if they're well enough to feed, that's always the better way. Uh, metronidazole for, for, uh, spironucleus or hexameta, uh, for both your discus and, and your angels always, uh, also, uh, your trophia cichlids. It, it's a good idea to feed them that, uh, because that these fish have this in the wild, it, it, uh, spironucleus and stuff like that, uh, straight straight out of the river, the fish will will have them. Absolutely. All right, doctor. Going back to the original question, that it somehow affects the immune system. Again, fish are cold water creatures, so the higher the temperature, they're faster. Their systems metabolize. So Correct. if you give them supplements or leave them alone. They're either going to get better with medication and food faster at a higher temperature um, or they're going to get worse faster because they're metabolizing and, again, you're not treating it. Is that correct? Uh, that, yes, that's one way to look at it. So essentially, either way, you're increasing the timeline. So if you're treating and you want to see results faster, it's better to raise temperature if it's not just something like ick? Yeah, yeah it, could, it, it could be. So if you raise the temperature for ick to try to kill the ick, what temperature is probably the most effective and, and still safe? Oh, that that's really going to depend on your fish. Uh, you know, your colder water fish are, aren't going to tolerate more than, you know, it's uh, a tough one, uh, you know, set, I want to say low, low 80s at the most, you know, 82. It's about 82 degrees to help uh, increase the ick cycle. To yes, yeah, increase the life cycle. Of the Unless you have discus, then, you know, 105 because 100, they can. 130. They can live in boiling water. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. We keep, we keep ours about uh, 87 right now. And do you have to put a heater in for that or do you have to put a fan to cool it down? Because I've been in there. It's hot as hell. 
Uh, well, actually, we do have to heat it. Now, the heater doesn't run a lot, but ooh, we do have to heat it. And, and it's hot. Those are closed systems. Those pumps produce a lot of heat. And that's and you have, just for the listeners, you guys have your discus on one separate system, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yes. And uh, the reason I'm taking care of them right now is uh, because uh, for our biosecurity, uh, nobody that works with the discus can work with uh, the other fish. So you're just the discus guy then. So explain to me again, why can't, why can't nobody else work with the discus? Uh, f- uh, so we don't transfer any, any diseases from there to any of the other fish. Uh, oh, okay. most, of, most, most of our systems now we've actually, uh, segregated, uh, by country of origin. So, uh, you know, our Florida fish now, Florida, North America, South America, we're not too worried about mixing, but, uh, it, Southeast Asia, uh, it's uh, we, we we keep those fish in different systems than we keep our South American and our our North American fish. Do you do you see different parasites coming from different countries? I mean, is there is there something that could affect one country and not another? Yeah, uh, yes, yes, especially virally, uh, we, which is a concern throughout you know in the industry uh, industry wide. Uh, same thing with public aquaria uh, research industry. Uh, research uh, facilities uh, uh viral emerging diseases you know kind, kind of like what we're dealing with uh for ourselves honestly so i think my fish has a tumor what can i do to fix it or help him they uh you, you can yeah. remove it you you can excise that uh if you're talented enough uh i i have assisted in removing a tumor before uh it, it's it's not something that i would say a novice should tackle Honestly, uh, you, for one, you need to anesthetize the fish and, and that's, that's tricky, you know, getting that, uh, you know, that's why, uh, that's why your anesthetician bill is so much when you have surgery. Uh, it's, it's tricky to keep, keep a fish not from stressing, uh, and and do work like that on it. Uh, but there are veterinarians out there that can do it and will do it. Not sure, you know, where that person is, but uh, uh, they can look online and uh, there are aquatic veterinarians out there. Uh, more and more of them, actually. So when you removed a tumor, helped with removing a tumor, what did you, because again, you, you make an incision, you cut out the tumor. What do you sew it up with? Uh, actually, we just put a little bit of uh, super glue on there and and that seals it up. Uh, that, that's one of the primary uh things used in uh fish surgery that, that people don't realize super, super glue tasty. yep super glue was invented for surgeries correct i mean i think that was the first thing they came up with was was super glue was used for a lot of surgeries in medical profession. i mean you tell us you were alive then so oh oh yeah oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you are all a-holes today i tell you love you buddy all right so next one is how do i safely use anesthesia at home <laughs> that's that's an open question i mean is that on your wife or your kids or... i'm gonna go with fish here oh, fish on. okay fish podcast yes on on fish at home uh probably the safest <laughs> safest thing to do is uh actually alka-seltzer tablets uh I, and uh they they they'll uh they you know put the co2 in the water and and, and that'll uh knock them for a loop if you need to do something for them uh you can also use clove oil uh, and, uh, the, the, uh, AVMA approved way is through, uh, tricane, 
methanosulfonate or MS triple two. Uh, but that that's hard to get. You probably have to have a veterinarian to get that. Why does so coal oil work? Because I've heard that, and I've always wondered how did somebody figure out it works, and what does it do to work? Like I don't, I never understood this. And then who uh, walked up to the first fish and says, "Does this smell like chloroform?" <laughs> I did that to somebody at a bar one time. Oh man, Clo- clove oil does work. I'm I'm not sure exactly on the uh, the the mode of action or, or the mechanism. But uh, it, it does actually work really well. Uh, they they use it in in Europe. It's used in a lot of uh, scientific uh, research for anesthesia. And where, where do you find clove oil? I mean, is it something that you can just find online? Yes. Interesting. Does it work on anything other than fish? I mean, can you use it on you know, let's say you want to give your you know take care of that hernia and your hamster? Will that work on him or not? I have no idea. I'm I'm literally pulling up the Google here. <laughs> Are you Googling hamster hernias? And does it work on salt water? <laughs> it doesn't work in salt water. Uh, tell us what you found on, online. Yeah, because oh, Adam's question is first. I want to know this one. So, does it work in salt water? Uh, yes. Okay. Okay. So traditionally, clove oil has been used for easing digestive upset, relieving pain, and helping with respiratory conditions. Um, found that clove oil may have benefits, dental and topical applications for treating infections and fighting cancer. I feel like I just got some like, uh, how do we put this hippie hotline when I put in an essential oil <laughs> kombucha hotline? Yeah, that's, that's what's that's what's happening here. So uh, not a whole lot of extra informa- information on that one. And, and a disclaimer on it: uh, the the eugenol that's in the clove oil is, is actually what what works. So uh, if you can find that, that's even better uh, because you know exactly how much eugenol you're putting in rather than with clove oil can vary because there's, you know, there's no, nobody tests clove oil for how much eugenol is in it. Well, I want to step back into Elka-Seltzer. How, that just takes all the CO2 out of the... It, it puts CO2 into the water. Into the water. And, and so a lack of CO2 will knock them out just like being a lack of oxygen? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like a pillow over your face. Wait, wait. So could I use CO2, uh, the, the Alka-Seltzer tabs, for a CO2 supplement in my aquarium? I don't know. I don't believe so. I, I don't think it would stay long enough. And the point to use it with the fish is you can you can get them in there, get them uh, you know, sedated, and then do whatever you need to do, and then put them right back into their regular water. Make it easy and quick. And and the other thing I know about Elka Seltzer is you do not feed it to seagulls. I feel like there's a story there. It's not my story, but it's something I read online that some jerks were feeding seagulls Elka Seltzer. And they exploded? That's what it said. Wouldn't I mean, that be that, messing with the Felony Migratory Bird Act? I'm sure it would there, Dr. Seuss. Wait. <laughs> too bad, <laughs> no, too bad I, they're I, destroying it. Right? Yeah, that, I, I did hear about that. They're I, actually I, removing I, the Migratory Bird Act. Yeah. Really? That's uh, That's been talked about anyway. So, uh, if that's the case, then feeding seagulls McDonald's French fries, isn't that making them blow up? Same thing. Same yeah, thing. Probably okay. worse. Well, next question. What makes guppies get skinny and not want to eat, but stay active in swimming? You forgot worms, to feed them? Worms aside, <laughs> since I've done deworming already. So this sounds like his uh, particular issue. Okay. So, so sometimes, uh, you know, the deworming doesn't always be... 100%. So sometimes you may have to deworm again. It's, it's really hard to say without, you know, performing an examination on, on a cohort of it, uh, you know, so we could look inside and see. Uh, but, you know, 
to do that than bye bye fishy. But uh, uh, it could also have a disease which causes granulomas, uh, like mycobacteria, uh, and uh, or that you know there's there's numerous other diseases that uh, cause granulomas and, and can keep the gut from functioning correctly. Uh, and how would uh, you treat that? Uh, no treatment for myco, uh, no, no treatment for most gran- granulomatous disorders, unfortunately. So Activia yogurt wouldn't work very well then? No, but pro- probiotics are good for fish gut health. Yes, exactly. The, uh, I got a quick question on the, on, uh, now we're talking about guppies real quick. Um, the Florida guppies seem to be so much more healthy than the import guppies, um, how are they keeping them over there that kind of, they don't do well here? Ah, uh, that, that, that's a mystery that, uh, is yet to be solved. Uh, uh a lot of times, uh, th- there may be some, some leanings towards a viral disease, uh, w- which is what happened, uh, here in Florida, uh, back in, uh, I forget, uh, late eighties. Uh, they called it guppy AIDS, uh, couldn't couldn't keep a guppy alive in florida and uh, that's actually what uh, collapsed the, the the big florida industry uh almost all of our guppies came from florida when i started at seagrass but uh it's uh it, it's rough when i first started bringing in 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 guppies uh the reason i got into this business is my local uh place that i purchased my fish were saying hey can you raise us some guppies and i go oh heck yeah and that's how i lost my first eighteen thousand dollars we've talked about that on this podcast but um at that time they would get a you know i heard gram gram uh, positive bacterial infection I heard gram negative bacterial infections and nobody really had an answer for any of it and nothing seemed to work no matter what you threw at it no no and uh it's it's leaning to to it was more than likely a viral disease and so that is something that, that they have over there. And once they're sent over here, they're stressed out. It pops up and it, and then bye-bye fishy? Uh, sometimes. Uh, so that uh, all, all the more importance for your you know water quality, less stress. So next question is, in your opinion, what are some uh, ways to prevent common fish illnesses and how to treat them if they pop up? <laughs> Salt. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, water quality. Yeah, 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 you stole my thunder there for sure. Absolutely. Uh, you know, stress, you know, removing stressors, uh, that, that, that's the best thing to do. Optimum water quality, nutrition is going to reduce stress level. It's also going to improve their immune system health. Always use a QT tank, more tanks, more tanks, always. more tanks. Uh, always, you know, it, it's the safest, safest way to do it. You, know, you, you, you QT a fish for three weeks, uh, if it's going to break with disease, it's going to break with disease, and you're going to know and be able to treat it. For freshwater fish, uh, saltwater dips are, are very, very, very beneficial. Uh, for marine fish, hyposalinity or freshwater dips are very beneficial. So you do freshwater dips on saltwater fish? Uh, absolutely. It's it's very good. I have not heard that before in all the years I've been in the business. Well, how, how would you want to do a salt dip for uh, some fish? A salt dip, uh, just get yourself a five gallon bucket, aerate it really good. Uh, I, on, on a five gallon bucket, uh, I'd say about a cup and a half uh, of salt and, uh, uh, dip them in there, uh, for, you know, at, at that level, you're talking, you know, be 
about three PPT, uh, they, they can stay indefinitely. You're always going to want to be watching them, though. I, I wouldn't just walk away, uh, especially if you're dipping a species that you've never dipped before. Uh, you don't know their tolerance. Uh, all fish are different. And how many times do you have to dip them? Is it, is it a one time and go or is it a three times and no? Yeah, uh, depending on what the what the issue is, uh, it, uh, for freshwater fish uh, with protist parasites, you're going to want to do uh, multiple dips if that's what you sus- suspect, or or even better, you know, um, uh, you can get a cheap microscope now uh, that's quality that's that's going to for under a hundred dollars, you know, uh, you can have a, a microscope and do skin scrapings and and fin clips and and find a lot of stuff actually. I'm suddenly just imagining like a Lipton tea bag just being dunked like three times for this flavor, six times for that disease, you know, except there's a fish inside. A fish inside the tea right. bag. That's, you know, let's not even talk about tea bagging. Let's just go on to the next question. Just go. <laughs> you already got up the segregation. Yeah, Do we have an on. HR department yet, or is that Our something HR, that we're going to be forced they, to have? They quit. We're looking for new ones. Yeah, we're, we're going to all have a meeting on Monday again. They heard story time, too, and they just gave us immediate resignation. All right. So what are your thoughts on specific tank maintenance to stop or halt any types of poor fish health issues, i.e. stress from water quality, lack of frequent water changes, quarantine time length, Types of chemicals that are not used often enough. So I think we've we've answered the majority of this. So I, I'm going to pick on the last part of that. What do we not use enough in the industry for overall health in the aquariums? Uh, probably salt. Oh, doctor. I did not kind. feel the thunder that time. But Do- I, was, doctor, I was thinking salt. Doctor's too kind. So next question, bloat. Is it a fungal disease or bacteria? I've heard both ways, but don't want to over-medicate for both unless I know for sure. Uh, that That's good, really going to depend, uh, and it, it could be as simple as a bacterial infection that, that's causing a fluid buildup in the in, in the salome, body cavity, uh, That's uh, or, or it could be a worm infection. Uh, so, but uh, fungal, uh, I... Fungal's a stretch for bloat. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose somehow, but uh, I, I, I would doubt that. So you're saying it's either like um, some sort of like parasitic or viral, essentially, are the two options. Uh, bacter- bacterial, more than likely. B- bacterial or parasitic. Gotcha. So how would you tell, you know, A or B? Is there some telltale signs? Uh, honestly, no, not, uh, the, to diagnose that we'd have to sacrifice the fish. So you first start treating salt. Good, good, good measure. Absolutely. <laughs> or wash your fish and dial soap antibacterial. Oh no, don't do that. That's terrible. Okay, <laughs> help. All right. From the email, what is the weirdest, craziest disease you've ever seen in a fish? I think this is uh, on point right here. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's weird or crazy. Uh, it's de- definitely monster level, though. Uh, they're called acanthocephalans. Their 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 common name is thorny headed worm. They are probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen in the water. It's uh, it's 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 like a it's like one of those miniature bobbit worms from story time. Ooh, I'm yeah. glad you liked that uh, little story there, didn't you? Uh, oh, I loved it. But uh, oh, I, I just pulled up some uh, pictures for Jimmy and 
He's not going to sit comfortably for the rest of the show. Yeah, they're a nice-looking worm. Is this something that attaches to the fish? Uh, no, it's inside the fish. Inside the fish? Correct. It kind of reminds me of like a round worm, and then at the end it has a tongue that sticks out that looks like it's a spike hammer. Yeah, yes, that that's oh, the We just looked at a zoomed-in picture, oh. and it literally looks like a tooth malice. Like, it's incredible. So what do you use for treatment for that? Just whack the fish over the head with a mallet? Burn it with uh, yeah, fire? Yeah, unfortunately, you're not treating that. You just... And this, oh, is, man. this is something you've seen free swimming in the water, huh? Oh, no, 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 no. In, oh, inside okay. a fish on, on a diagnostic. Uh, okay, I thought okay. like maybe you're scuba ah. diving and these things, you went through a swarm of these things. I'm like, ah! You know that cold heebie-jeebie feeling? You yeah, just I got a shake. I know, like my that ex-wife just, standing over my shoulder. That just happened. My butthole's nice and tight. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Thank you for that horrible question, emailer. Yes. Wait, wouldn't a candiru be even worse? What? It's All right, that you got fish that swims up the urethra? Well, that's not going to be in fish, hopefully. I Doesn't it attack fish? Do you see the, ever seen that disease there, uh, doctor? What, candiru? It's not a disease, it's a fish. Right, but you've seen that, have you ever seen that carried, carried in a fish at Seagrass? Oh, thorny-headed worm? Yes, I have. No, 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 the, the one that Adam mentioned. Say what it again, the, what, Adam. The candiru, that little fish? Does that, get, little, does that just go in mammals, or is it a, does it attack fish, too? You, you've seen the, the shows, like on River Monsters, where they talk about oh, that fish picking up people's pee holes? Uh, no, no, uh, can, candiru, yeah, they will... Uh, they will do that to cows as well. So apparently it's not something that attacks other fish then. N- not to my knowledge. I mean, they Thank may eat, they eat dead fish. They're just, they're just there for us and our Peters, but they'll swim up your thing. That's not good. All right. Moving on before we've lost <laughs> all our viewers. I'm not going to sleep tonight for God's sake. Oh my sakes. God. I'm going to put duct tape over my butthole tonight when I go to bed. <laughs> just uh, just to be safe. Just to be safe. Not because it needs waxing, although it does. You should call someone. Um, How next do you know question. it needs waxing? Next question. <laughs> next question. <laughs> um, this is crossed out. It says fish aids crossed out. Disease transmission through pedicures? Fish pedicures? So the, the, I think this is based off of the Gerara rufa, which is commonly known as the pedicure fish. Are there fish diseases transferred uh, through that fish to humans uh, that you've ever heard of? When they're chewing on your toenails. There are zoonotic fish diseases. I don't know of of the pedicure or garrufa actually having, uh, you know, being diagnosed with a zoonotic disease, but there's always a potential. Uh, so I, I think it's a cool idea. I, I would never put my feet in their water. Not 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 because of the fish, but because of the hygiene between person to person, personally. So is, this is something that some of our listeners probably haven't heard about, but in certain salons in certain states. Oh, certain, I'm so ready. I've done a ton of research. Certain on this. countries, you can go into like going into the club and you can pay your 20 bucks, whatever. And you spa, Jimmy, spa. spa. And you drop your, your, your stinking toes in the water and then they eat all the crusties out from between your toes, correct? So in Asia, they've set up these, uh, they, they call them pedicure fish spas, right? And this has been done for a long, long time before it has been popularized in Asia, right? And essentially they have a pool with a bunch of these, you know, Garara Rufa, and you stick your feet in there and they'll 
suck on your calluses. They'll, they'll, they'll eat your dead skin off of your body without harming you is the idea. But the reason that it's not commonly used in the States is because it is a unlicensed um, spa treatment. They cannot do it because there's no way to sanitize the fish between just like you're saying person to person or the water. So now I'm, I'm saying this because I have done the research. I've made prototypes for these uh, foot baths and uh, it is quite fun. I have had plenty of Gararufa in the past, had my own feet um, nommed on them, and it does uh, does work. I can't say it's you know it's better than you know getting out a pestle and mortar and grinding down your feet, <laughs> but uh, it certainly does remove a lot of dead skin. I have uh, um, injured my feet. I, spoiler alert, warning, gross warning. I have actually torn both of my big toenails right off my foot. They were like really grown in right so i have i'm missing toenails on my big toes so there is because there's no toenails it's just skin it's healthy but i have a lot of extra flaky dead skin on those toes i just threw up in my mouth (laughs) hey we talked about fish swimming up your peter earlier oh that's right so uh it it does work and i haven't had any uh, issues but again if i ever had a sore never went in the fish bath um, it was mine. I didn't, it was not communal. People did not come over and just like start putting their feet in my, my shit at that, that. It wasn't a line. I just wasn't prepared for someone to sue me for, you know, herpagonocephalades in their feet. Right. So, uh, I, again, I did the homework, the whole thing didn't end up doing it, but, uh, it is quite the experience. So if you see a fish spa, don't go in. If you have a cut, I would just skip it entirely and, and maybe go to Walmart by yourself. Some, uh, uh, abrasive stuff, you know, like back in the oil changing section of the car and just scrub your feet good. Just, just scrub just, them down. Just scrub them down and not have anybody chew on your toes. Mm. What's your next question? So are there effective additives such as vitamins, etc., that can be safely added to improve overall health and color of fish? If so, can you recommend any specific product on how to use them? Maybe homemade ideas? Uh, vitamin C, spirulina, beta-glucans, uh, Lots more research to be done, too, but all three of those are definitely going to uh, help your fish's gut health. Uh, Probiotics. Beta-glucans is is extremely important, uh, and uh, that's readily available online. Uh, Get it into the feed, and and then that's feed your fish with with a uh, supplemented feed. Make them bright and happy, healthy. Absolutely. So the other thing on the other side of the coin is that that's being a good uh, fish keeper is trying to keep your fish health, keep your fish bright, use, uh, you know, vitamins, good supplements, whatever you want to want to do with your fish. But on the opposite hand, we hear about these uh, terrible traits of juicing where people are trying to, you know, inject their fish with certain hormones to try to brighten them up. Um, you know, what again, Seacrest does not condone that uh, that process. This is me just uh, asking outside of this and do not try juicing your fish at home use vitamins use correct health resources but you know what is the process that some of these people overseas have done to try to do that do they inject the fish commonly do they uh um treat the water uh they they actually put it in the feed uh they have they have hormone feeds uh it you can actually get some of those hormone feeds in canada uh not not that i'm saying to get them those crazy Canadians will sell you anything. It's all maple syrup. It that's, it's that's maple syrup. The, that's the active ingredient right there. Maple syrup. But yeah, it's, you know, in, in my view, I, I don't think it's good for the fish long term for sure. Uh, 
Uh, I mean, fish aren't people, but there's enough similarities and, and, you know, organ structure and stuff like that. Uh, I'd say it probably does the same thing to them as it does to us. So the last part of that is, is there any homemade supplements that you've heard of people using with success for uh, color enhancement? Uh, anything, you know, astaxanthins are, are really good. Uh, but what's uh, that? Uh, it, it, it's a carotenoid. Uh, it, it doesn't only help with uh, uh, reds, uh, but it, it can help with uh, overall colors overall. Where would one I, find something like that? Online. So that's another uh, a treatment, but there's no like I can suddenly go get zucchini out of my garden. You know, you give them just the skins and suddenly that'll give more color. Uh, I suppose so. Uh, I, 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 I've <laughs> never tried that if you say so. All right. So no homemade treatments then. Next question is, um, is there a full uh, shelf of meds like a local fish store that you'd stock up on and why? Should I buy one of everything and just have them on hand? Since my luck will have something will pop up in my uh, tank Saturday night after I close and whatnot. I know this is very important when it comes to treatment. So again, what would be that shelf that everybody should have of meds? And what are the four or five items that you suggested people have on hand? Uh, salt, uh, quantel, potassium permanganate, copper if you like it and have had experience with it. Uh, but uh, the, the, those are pretty much the go-tos, really. And those will cover, you know, a good majority of what you're going to see in the aquarium trade. Uh, I mean, there's, there's going to be other things that, of course, are going to show up, but those are the majority of this going to take care of. Absolutely. Uh, and for most medications, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, some of the stuff you've you've had for years and years and years, you do have to, to take an account that, uh, you know, don't just buy it and then it goes out of date before you can ever use it because uh, some, some of those chemicals, especially, especially the more toxic ones uh, c- can change over time. And like the, I green. Huh? And they're very expensive. Absolutely. So is the, uh, the Florida fish co-op still um, selling most of that stuff? Uh, they should be. Uh, they just moved their physical location. Uh, but uh, as far as I know, their website's still up. Uh, we, we just call in our order because we're right down the road. But I believe and, it is. And for those of you listening, uh, there's a, a store called the Florida Fish Co-op in Tampa, Florida, down by, by uh, is it Gibsonton or Ruskin area? Uh, now and they've moved to Tampa. Yep. Moved to Tampa. And I've been there several times. And, and it's one of those deals where you, you walk into like a, a feed store, but they've got everything that you could want for aquatics. They've got the large, great big bags. They've got nets. They've got brine shrimp by the 16-ounce cans. They've got frozen food and stuff. And they do have a uh, website. You can go on there and find a lot of that stuff, and they can order it, and they'll send it right out to your door. So that's the Florida Fish Co-op in Tampa, Florida. Yeah, so, uh, I believe that should be ftffacoop.com. Now, next question. What illnesses are usually shared between fish, snails, and shrimp? What risks are there by introducing snails into established aquarium from another source? Okay, snails can be a vector for uh, multiple parasitic flatworms. They're t- typically species-specific to that snail, so if you stay away from from particular snails, you can stay away from particular diseases. So uh, that that's uh, that's the good thing. Uh, they can be an intermediate host, is what happens. Uh, these uh, those flatworms, uh, uh, they're digenes, so they go through uh, they, a complex life cycle. So uh, the 
the fish isn't even the the definitive host. Uh, that's typically a bird. And that goes, uh, again, that snails are hosts for. But is there any uh, diseases or illnesses that are uh, transferred between fish, snails, and shrimp that they can all get? Yeah, that's what, that's, that's what I'm saying. Uh, Just they, the flatworms. Uh, yeah, that's that's the one that's going to really cause it issues. Uh, the, there's also some human diseases that uh, snails can carry, like uh, schistomosis. Uh, so, is there any treatment for that? Other oh, than yeah. Yes, yes, there is. What do you use for that? For schistomosis, uh, chloroquine. Actually, okay, we're back to. Will that uh, harm any of the in, the inverts? Uh, well, I I wouldn't treat it in a tank. That that would be for you know if humans got that. Okay. All right. Next question. I'm just checking to make sure because we have a lot of people live to make sure we didn't get miss any of their questions that they got. Oh, there's a lot of people saying that they're grossed out uh, as well. Uh, About so, what? Uh, apparently, there's a lot of people eating while they're listening live to the podcast. <laughs> That's their problem. They should so, know better. Uh, yeah, toenails and all. Next question in the list. Is there a medication that can be used weekly to keep up all things in the tank happy and healthy? What's your miracle no. here? No, no. Wrong. Salt. Salt. Uh, uh, yeah, less medication is usually better, uh, in, in all honesty. So how often would you treat salt? Every water change? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, like, like I said, you indefinitely for for some fishes. I mean, you you, you can keep mollies, uh, swordtails, uh, uh, the goldfish even uh, up at five ppt the the whole time you have them. Uh, be five parts per thousand of salt. So, is there risks for planted aquariums using salt in those low low amounts just for the slime coat? It, it, yes, it can. It, it can be for certain plants, uh, like with certain fish, uh, you know, may to- not tolerate as much salt. Certain plants are not going to tolerate as much salt either. Any particular plants you need to be worried about? Oh. You can think about a common ones. Just the green ones. Just the green <laughs> ones. Uh, Isn't the Madagascar mo- mo- ones sensitive yeah, to salt? The, like uh, the lace plants? The lace. The lace. Yeah, I, I've never put salt in a in a lace uh, plant uh, tank, but... Uh, don't don't put mix with laces. One second here. Okay. Um, this was a user that just read the instructions in the Dr. Uh, Fish section here. So he's like, uh, get him to go off on the absolute scam that is Melifix, Betafix, and other meme meds. So uh, what is your opinion on uh, such, uh, you know, Melaleuca treatments of like Melifix and others and uh, off brands? I, I I don't use the Melifix. Uh, we do use uh, we we do use the catapa leaves uh, for for our shrimp and uh, some of our other dark water fishes. Uh, I, I do find that the fish do better when we have them there and not as well when we take them out. Uh, no scientific evidence for that, just anecdotal. Uh, I can say that uh, people. In the public aquaria circles, uh, you know, uh, do like some of those products, uh, but uh, we'd have to use. We couldn't afford to use in any of those specific products in our aquarium systems. Uh, it, it, it would cost us probably I don't know ten thousand dollars to treat a system. So well, our systems are a minimum uh, thirty five hundred gallons. So I remember when the uh the Melifix and the Pimafix first came out and it was going to be the answer to all our prayers. And the first time I used it um, in my fish warehouse, um, somebody came down there and go kind of look at me really strange. Said, do you have Vicks vapor rub? 
on your chest or something? Are you sick? I go, no, it's the freaking Pima fix or Melafix, whatever I was using. And I never really saw any anything that, that uh, it did other than foam up the water. So I'm not real well, sure see, about it. Adam firmly believes that it's a miracle cure, but the secret to it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, Adam, is that you have to keep the tank dark. Yes. You filthy hippie. I like what, it. Why do you like it, Adam? Tell me. I don't know. It just It's always worked for the different things that I've used it for. And it I've smells had good. Stuff. It smells good. So does a cheeseburger, but that doesn't do a damn good. Right. You don't huff Melafix. You huff Prime. That's that's the. That's that is the, the thing, thing, yes. <laughs> and, and so what did you use it for, Adam? Because I remember you using it, and I thought, God, you're a filthy hippie. But oh, what, what, I don't know. I've used it on loaches and stuff and Corridor's Catfish, my Endlers. Whenever I had a problem, I'd always use that. I never was big on using salt. I would so, just turn up the temperature, put some Melafix or Pimafix in it, and shut the lights off and call it good. And usually that would fix stuff. And so by turning off the lights, what did that do? Well, supposedly the reason why it's in blue bottles is the medicine degrades when it hits the light. Okay. So kind of like that, hippies. That's why you have to put it in the blue bottle. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the whole thing is, is that by putting it, uh, in a dark aquarium that when your fish die, you just don't see them. I'm yeah. seeing James's face just smile during this whole conversation. <laughs> I just have a, I have a really good hippie joke that my wife hates. Oh, <laughs> hit, hit us. How do you hide money from a hippie? Uh, put it under the soap. <laughs> oh. Oh. Can we get this regulated so that we don't upset like a lot of people? Well, oh no no we're we're gonna talk to our HR department. We we started with uh, we started with uh, certain people, and it's just downhill from there. Segregating segregation is a good thing in the aquarium. That's all I said, jerk. All right, I, next one is I got a good one. Have you ever seen microbacterium infections spread to humans, and how does the treatment differ between fish and people for that particular microbacterium? I have met two people in my in my thirty plus years in the industry, uh, and I did work somewhere before Seegers too, but uh, that have had myco infections. Neither neither of them got them from the working. Uh, they both got them in their home aquarium. Actually, uh, one was saltwater involved, one was freshwater involved, but uh, it's. It's not very common whatsoever. Most cases you see in, uh, they also call it fishmonger's disease. So like at the meat markets, when they're slicing fish and cutting fish, if they're not wearing proper PPE, they cut the fish, the fish, then they cut themselves, the fish blood and their blood get together and then they get myco. Uh, treatment for humans is multiple courses of antibiotics. Uh, usually it's uh, multiple antibiotics. Uh, treatment for fish there there is none so I, I've, I have two stories here one jimmy and i both had issues where we've you know ordered in fish from overseas and we had like a small like hangnail or a cut on our hand and we're sitting there dumping bags and then suddenly that that gets uh you know swollen and infected uh me i've just been able to put like triple antibiotic on it and it goes away in like you know, a few days maybe a week um how about yours jimmy I ended up going to the doctor not that long ago because I had a pretty good-sized rash that just continually got bigger and bigger. And he really didn't have an answer for me. He gave me some cream and uh, did some voodoo witch doctor stuff on me, and it cleared up after about two weeks. But um, 
like we talked about on an earlier podcast, when these fish bags, especially the ones that come from overseas, they handle um, different chemicals, uh, different medicines that they non FDA approved, probably, and you might know, be uh, banned on the UN list. You never know what, what's coming in on these bags and stuff. And so, if you uh, are not using, you know, washing your hands and, and uh, having a long sleeve shirt on when you're handling this stuff, you, you don't know. But it, I mean, we've talked about it several times before. But it's just uh, better to be safe than sorry. And and uh, you got cuts in your hands, put on a pair of rubber gloves that are cheap and they're and they're very effective. The other story is uh, I was at Jimmy's uh, place, uh, getting ready for a party, and uh, having a good time in the basement. And Jimmy's got. He calls it the underground. It's his, uh, you know, bar at home, and it's filled with rock memorabilia. And part of it is they have this glass. What was he going to say? Croft to hold uh, like scotch or liquors. Beautiful glass skull, mm-hmm. right? And you have matching little skulls that look like shot glasses next to it. Correct. And inside of it, because it's decoration, they just got it, set it there because they figured no one would be stupid enough just to open it up and drink it. Uh, they put just water in there, right? It's been sitting there since it's been open, hasn't been washed. Just it's nice and pretty. Oh, it was washed. You know? uh, maybe on the outside, but you know, regardless, festering water in this for what three years, a couple years, a couple years, a couple and, years, and and so. Rob, my friend who doesn't drink. Right. So I'm like, oh, they put water out for people to sober up. How nice. And I just like pop the top, put some in a couple shot glass and swig a couple back. And what did they tell you? Hour later. What did I, they tell you? I wouldn't drink that. Yeah, you wouldn't drink that. And they're like, all right, I stopped drinking it. Too late. The damage has been done. I, with it in the hour, start getting massive, you know, Hershey squirt symptoms, right? I, my stomach is reeling in pain. I go home. I start puking. I, I crap my, my world apart. And my wife takes me home because I cannot stop. Like, it was a whole, like, imagine Steve-O on Jackass, but just hitting that button every time. You it, know? it was terrible for you. The rest of us were laughing. Right. Just having a good time. Because we told you what? Don't drink the bottle. Don't drink the bottle. Would Don't you, drink the bottle. Would you I do? drink the bottle. Okay. So, it's, so on, it's on you. It's on me. It's 100%. So, I go to the hospital. I'm there for over two weeks. And they come in my room with, you know, head to toe PPE, which makes it look like a hazmat suit. They have no idea what's going on. And they uh, just, they talk to some like uh, infectious disease specialist and they say, well, it's going to take X amount of time to get tested to figure out what type of horrible shit he found in that or anything else where this could have happened. So just treat him with everything. So they decided to IV drip, like, you know, the whole, whole, the whole gamut. I had every flavor of uh, snow cone liquid drip, dipped into me. And after two weeks, I uh, came out and I could finally eat again. And and we had the water tested and they found nothing. No, they didn't test the water. <laughs> yes, they did. I brought it in. They, they brought the bottle in and they said, well, you're already fixed. So, I mean, we'll, <laughs> we'll charge you if you want to test it. And I'm like, well, I don't want to get charged. This is what my insurance is for. So, they, they, they wouldn't do it without me paying. So, what did you, you learn? Don't drink decorative water bottles. Correct. Right. But uh, bacteria infection. So imagine like splashing and get a little in your mouth. You know, be careful. That's all we're saying. I'm just saying that a lot of times that uh, I'm drug tested at work. So I just keep extra urine in that bottle in case I need it. So that (laughs) might have been it. Oh, to joy. To joy. All right. Next question. I'd be curious to talk about uh, his treatments for Marine, Brook, and Velvet. Everyone has their own cocktail for dealing with that shit. I'm just reading off the off the thing here. So uh, 
What is Marine Brook and Velvet? Okay, Brooklynella and uh, Velvet, uh, what they call Velvet, which is uh, Amelidinium. Uh, two two different uh, protus or bros. Well, one one's a dinoflagellate, one's a protus. Uh, but uh, Brooklynella it has a direct life cycle. Uh, uh, freshwater dips and formalin are going to be the primary treatment for that. Uh, the copper and malachite green aren't going to do anything to it. Uh, methylene blue? Mm, not likely. Uh, methylene blue is a uh, bacteria stat. Uh, so uh, it doesn't even kill bacteria. It just keeps them from from multiplying and reproducing. Which is why it's so good with eggs. Correct. Exactly. But uh, yeah, so your, your hypocellularity bath, uh, I, I like to use uh, buffered uh, RO water. So, you know, uh, take your RO water, uh, put some uh, either baking soda or uh, uh, soda ash in there to get your pH up to what what your fish are in already. Uh, do You're going to have to do repetitive baths probably once every other day, once every day for close to three weeks. Uh, formalin you can treat daily if you're doing water changes. If not, you're not doing water changes, you're probably only going to want to do it uh, every other day. But you're, you're still going to want to do at least a 10-20% water change. Well, there's there's the uh, secret since everybody that, has that, a different treatment. That's so Brooklynella. Yeah, uh, amelidinium, uh, they, they have an indirect life cycle. Uh, copper is always what my go-to for those, uh, 0.15 to 0.2 milligrams per liter. Uh, and that's non, non-chelated copper sulfate. And, and you're always going to want to measure uh, free copper, not, not coopermine. Uh, that's, a, that's a totally different thing. It's, it's copper, but it's, uh, the, the, way it, uh, the, the way it's in the water is different. So you have to be a half aquarium crazy person and half chemist in order to be in this business. Yeah, yes, yes. Uh, and, and a word to caution, uh, the elasmobranchs, uh, like your your cartilaginous fish, sharks, rays, skates, all those guys, uh, they're not going to tolerate copper at all. You can only use that on, on bony fish. So you forgot the equation. Also, 100% dreadlocks is required. Close. <laughs> oh, it's hard to see. It's just curls. Okay. It's just yeah. curls. Yeah. It's it looks just pretty. Uh, we got like a silhouette of you in the camera. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, doctor. Next question. Is it normal for Corydoras to swim all around the tank and not just stay in the bottom? Uh, absolutely. They're they're an active little fish. Well, that was easy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was the best one all night. No. No gross uh, no. recommendations from Jimmy about tapeworms or fish to swim up by a pee hole. What's the difference no, between Corey's rock? I, I I like Corey's a lot. What is the biggest thing you see with Corey's when you start having trouble? I mean, I've seen some, uh, especially like albino Corey's, kind of get that, uh, that that bloody look to them. What's that? Uh, a lot of times, uh, you can fix that with uh, water changes. Uh, the Corey's stay on the bottom a lot. Not that they are always on the bottom, uh, as we just alluded to, but uh, your, uh, your, your opportunistic parasites are going to lay down there on the bottom of the tank. And uh, because the quarries are in contact with the bottom so much, they're very likely to pick them up. So, you know, s- siphoning, water quality. 
so right 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 back to to water quality good good gut health and uh, you'll have a healthy fish what's Absolutely. the difference between ick and oh how am i supposed to say that jimmy you, you see the word there right epistillus good enough and uh, <laughs> subsequent treatments uh epistylus and ick are both protus but uh they're they're different uh kinds of protus so uh they, your ick is a holotric and it's a ciliate uh your epistylus is a stalk protist so uh you can treat them both with formalin and uh salt and still have the same results uh correct yeah yeah epistylus doesn't really hurt the fish per se other than it's not a parasite uh it is a protist uh and it can be a pathogen but it's not actually a parasite it's not feeding on the fish it's just anchoring itself to the fish and feeding off uh, stuff in the water. So another question that I have is why do I have so much success treating uh, ick with UV filters and high flow? Uh, strong enough UV can kill the free swimming stages of ick. Uh, it, it's got to be really strong. So if you've got a really oversized UV on your tank, you, you can achieve uh, uh, killing ick with UV. That's uh, essentially what I, I have. I show two different ones. There's um, the UV bars are getting more and more popular. They're little uh, bars you can purchase on Amazon and they're about 10, 12 bucks. You can put them in your hang in the back filter. But again, there's no encasing. So you want to put them where there's no exposure from that light to your fish. So again, like the hang in the back filter is the best place I have for because mine are black and covered. Um, those really don't do enough treatment. They'll slow down ick, but they don't treat it. Instead, I have like a $35, um, power head with UV filter or UV sterilizer inside. And that's a much, uh, like you said, um, overpowered UV uh, sterilizer that I use for treatments in case I ever see ick. And that seems to just blow it away. And I use that for different, um, treatments for like clown loaches where I can't use some of the copper treatments. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, contact, it's all about contact time with UV. So uh, even if you don't have a, a you know, say you, say somebody can't afford a, a really super strong UV, you know, like a, a UV rated for a 250 gallon on a 25 gallon. You know, if you can't afford that, slow down your water flow and you'll get more contact time. Wonderful. So not necessarily power, just the, just the speed. All right. What is your opinion on... Protolactically, help me, Jimmy. Prolactically, see, um, I don't know. Pro- prophylactic, yeah, prophylactic, sure. yeah, we'll go with that. Treating new fish that appear healthy, uh, wouldn't it increase disease resistance? Uh, I, I would agree with that. Uh, I'm, I'm not giving antibiotics to any fish that uh, I don't know has a bacterial disease. Preferably, I'm gonna, uh, I'm going to have that bacteria. Uh, Maybe not ID'd, but uh, we'll do a susceptibility test uh, so that we can see what uh, what drug would actually be preferential because uh, all antibiotics aren't going to treat all bacterial infections. Uh, and uh, salt would be the only thing that I would say to always treat your new fish with. All right. Next one is we already had the difference between ick and... Um... Not going to try to pronounce that one either. Um, now, what's the difference between ick and velvet? Ick and velvet uh, 
uh, actually do have uh, indirect life cycles. So that that's the only way they're really rela- uh, they're not related at all. But that's the only way they're really similar, other than they're both protists. Outside the usual ammonia and nitrite, um, what are the most critical water parameters to have success in the hobby? Uh, it's really going to depend. Uh, alkalinity is important uh, for your pH. Uh, that that's your natural buffing buffering capacity. Uh, so uh, a lot of times, uh, you, uh, sometimes people in the industry will say uh, "old tank syndrome." I don't know if anybody's heard of that. It might be too old of a term. Well, explain that to us. Well, it, what happens is uh, you, you use up all your alkalinity. Uh, the fish, when they respirate, they're, they're giving off CO2. If you have plants in the tank, they're, they're giving off CO2 during the, during the daytime or, or uh, during the nighttime. Excuse me. They're giving off oxygen during the day. But they're doing the exact opposite when your lights are off. Uh, so you, you, you're messing with that carbon cycle that's in the water you know you've got your nitrogen cycle and you've got your carbon cycle uh once you tip the scale on that carbon cycle your the co2 is always eating away at your alkalinity so uh if you don't do good water changes uh with uh water that has a high enough alkalinity then it's just going to continue to drop i'm just going through here we got another one what are the most uh uh, recommended meds to have on hand. We answered that one, but um, how about the best uh, fixes for prescription meds and what's the best way to obtain a prescription medication? Uh, that's going to be to go through an aquatic veterinarian. Uh, e- even some of your exotic animal uh, vets uh, will, will work with you. Uh, go uh, A good way to get some help with that uh, is do Google scholar searches and be able to take them documentation that says, Hey, you know, these people are working with this medication on these fish, you know, is there any way you can get me a uh, prescription for this? So not to, uh, cause that's the best recommendation to find a specialist in that. I am in the bunk town, Minnesota. I do not have that uh, luxury. I don't think there's, but like one in the cities that's publicly known in the state of Minnesota. So if I'm going to try to get something like uh, I've gotten antibiotics before, like uh, cephalexin, and you cannot get that over the counter, I go to my local bovine veterinarian, tell him that I need it, and he just doesn't care. He's like, okay, um, sure, here's your script. <laughs> and I walk he he goes, here's the size of a cow, and I think you're there just using you it. Right, so if you're in a pinch... And you really need it. And you bring in the documentation and you say, pretty please. Other vets can, can get that for you as well. A- absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, uh, doctors and veterinarians can use medications for off-label use. Uh, uh, not all medications, but, but many medications, you know, at, at their leisure. All right. Two more questions and then we'll have to call her and do another episode in the future again. I want you to answer ask the one from Scrapjaw there. That's what I'm going to do. I... I've got a beta that suffers from fin rot on the regular. I treat him. He heals up over a period of time and then inevitably returns to melting. My water parameters uh, stay um, relatively stable. Is he just old or is there no point of return when a fish has been sick so long often that they can no longer recover well enough? It, it could be a little bit of both, on, honestly. Uh, I mean, mo- most uh, it just regular fancy fancy melbetta you know if you get five to seven years out of them that that's a really long lifespan for those guys five to seven years 
Oh, you you got a good beta life cycle there, buddy. I like three to five. I've had luck with. You put them in water. Clearly, I don't. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Whew. I, I feel bad all of a sudden. Like the first time, I was like, I had a goldfish for two years. Well, they last forty five. <laughs> I'm doing it wrong, mom. Yeah, don't drink the water. Also, another thing to look at is what's in the what's in the uh, aquarium with them. You know, do you have a lot of the fake? Um, plastic plants that are real sharp. I see a lot of uh, beta fins get shredded um, when there's another fish that's trying to run away from the fin gets caught. You know, make sure that you're not having a lot of uh, even some driftwood. They can have fine points on driftwood and they can shred their fins and that can be a recurring problem. So look at the decor that you have and see if it's getting caught somewhere. Yeah, even if you have a fin nipper you know, in the tank with them, like a tiger barb or another beta, even a female beta will nip them at them. Otherwise, watch behavior. Uh, again, I just got a bunch of clown loaches from a buddy because he had them with his big discus tank. And clown loaches are real docile. But apparently, he was watching the behavior nip uh, one or two of them. So they had, to, they had to go. That's his prize discus. All right. Can larger sharks like zebra, nurse, and blacktip sharks get ick or some form of ick? Uh, typically, you don't see ick involved with, uh, w- with your elasmobranchs. The larger sharks like the zebra, nurse, or blacktip? Just yeah. ball of sharks. Ball of sharks are totally vulnerable. <laughs> ball of sharks, the albino <laughs> sharks. Any, anything that's albino, uh, be it albino tiger barbs, albino um, rainbow sharks. Any The albinos are genetically some of the weakest, just like the black moor goldfish is genetically We're joking the because those aren't actual saltwater sharks. We're just naming you know, freshwater I'm species. I'm just naming stuff just to throw people off. To make you feel like shark, you're a shark enthusiast. Oh, shut up. <laughs> well uh dr fish it has been a pleasure i hopefully this sends your career off you know once <laughs> you know dr phil came on oprah now he has his own show i'm just saying this, this wow happen, yeah right? the the beginning of dr fish has started here and don't forget about us <laughs> you got it i think he just peed himself <laughs> Well, guys, remember, Mondays, 7 o'clock, certainly join us. In, uh, we want to do this Dr. Fish uh, segment on a regular basis. So this is, again, episode one of Dr. Fish. You can go to AquariumGuysPodcast.com, buy the website. You can email us, call us, text us, go on Discord, put it on the board. Smoke signals. Send us smoke signals. You know, fart in Jenny, uh, Jimmy's direction generally with a question. And we will uh, save it for the next episode of Dr. Fish. Not in convention, but we'll still answer a few in between time. And but, all complaints are to go to Rob's. Rob's Olson. Oh, yep. man. Exactly. We need new HR. Thanks, guys, for listening to the podcast. Please go to your favorite place where podcasts are found, whether it be Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever they can be found. Like, subscribe, and make sure you get push notifications directly to your phone so you don't miss great content like this. I never knew that a Minnesota accent could be so sexy until I heard Adam's voice. Go fuck yourself, don't you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's my boy, don't you know.